It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hey everyone out there, welcome to the Hammered Sports Lounge. Yeah, we're, uh, I'm enjoying the fruits of victory right now here. Um, Yeah, yeah. As Tom was forced to bring the booze tonight. Uh, my booze of choice was Trader Vic's rum. Uh, as we sit here and enjoy a few cocktails, we've got a little basketball on in the background. Uh, we're going to bring to you a little recap of our pick contest that we had on the college bowls. The college bowl extravaganza, if you will. Yeah, we ended up picking 22 games. And um, quite frankly, we did very well. Yeah. Our combined record was 27 15 and two uh i mean that's a tremendous winning percentage so if you guys were able to to follow along and and tail some of those picks it was a very nice college bowl season for you you're you're welcome for paying off those credit cards from christmas so i went 15 6 and 1 against the spread tom went 12 9 and 1 which meant that tom was on the hook to bring the booze tonight i was on the hook with a very respectable 12 9 and 1 so Good job to Kev. He is the college football go-to over here. So, Yeah, I mean, that's where, I, I mean, I just love handicapping college football. I feel like it's uh, it's really my wheelhouse when it comes to picking games. Um, I struggle a bit more when it comes to the NFL because the lines are just so sharp. You know, the, the, the Vegas folks, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to the NFL, and there's more variance when it comes to college football. Sure. Yeah, the, the pro game is so much more difficult. I mean, you have everyone's professional. Everyone's very good at what they do. Um, and I, I honestly, I feel because there's probably more bets per game, um, the bookies really spend more time looking into each game. Yeah. Um, we're going to dig in a little later on the college football championship game uh, where we'll have LSU led by Joe Burrow, who's the likely number one pick in the NFL draft. Um, likely maybe an understatement. I think <laughs> that you can pretty much write that one down. Pencil it in. And then uh, they're going to face Clemson, who had a hard-fought game against Ohio State and came out on top as Trevor Lawrence continued his undefeated streak. Uh, he hasn't lost since, I think, his junior year of high school. Yeah. He's he's really something else there, and, and that program just finds a way to motivate themselves, uh, continually calling themselves the underdog somehow, uh, despite not losing a game in over two years. Yeah, spoiler alert, they're underdogs again. So Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so let's start with a little coaching roundup. Um, we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, the one coach that was up in the air was Jason Garrett, and he was let go. Uh, they determined they were not going to renew his contract. Um, Dallas went ahead and made a hire quickly. Uh, they interviewed only two candidates, Marvin Lewis, uh, who spent a number of years in Cincinnati and, um, just couldn't get the wins in the playoff games. He, he always yeah. had that team respectable and tough, but he couldn't win a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Marvin Lewis is going to get a shot here in the next year or two. And I think, you know, if he gets to the right team, it's going to be great for them. He brings a toughness, um, to the coaching and, really just a very well-respected coach around the league and his players seem to really like him. So uh, somebody's going to get him next year, it seems. Yeah. Um, So the Cowboys went ahead and hired Mike McCarthy, uh, the former Green Bay Packers head coach. He won the Super Bowl with the Packers. Um, He's certainly got a a nice track record. Um, 
the concern obviously is his relationship issues that he had with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there are some articles out there that date back problems all the way to Rodgers' early years, uh, saying that Rodgers kind of held a grudge because McCarthy had basically said that Alex Smith was the better quarterback coming out of college, and uh, Rodgers never got over that. Yeah, I think there's a couple things at play. You know, he had to sit behind Favre. Favre was upset the way that his you know, end of his career there went, kind of blamed McCarthy for some of that as well when McCarthy said, all right, we're ready to go with the kid. He's, he's ready to go. But when you look at his record, 125-77-2 in the regular season as a head coach. That's 618 win percentage. That is very good in the NFL. And 10-8 and eight in postseason. So, I mean, you, you got a solid coach with a lot of experience, um, which is honestly a team that needs a, a fresh start and um, somebody who knows what they're doing because that team is ready to win. They're not a team that's rebuilding like some of the other ones. So to get somebody with that experience who, you know, might be a two-win, um, more wins just by his presence being there this next year, we'll see how it works out. But Yeah, I think it's a good hire. I think that a lot of people are, are – um basically saying that that was a bad choice, that they should have maybe gone with someone a little flashier, someone um, maybe they should have looked at to, into um, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln was Riley, uh, Urban Meyer was brought up. Um, you know, Matt Rule obviously was in Baylor um, right there in Texas, um, who he ended up landing the job in Carolina uh, with a monster contract there. Uh, but I don't think that this was a bad decision by the Cowboys. I think that this was a safe decision by the Cowboys. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, um, of course, we knew last week Redskins picked up Ron Rivera. Um, they're starting a little bit over, but they already have their quarterback in place, it seems, for at least next year. We'll see how he does. Um, yeah, I think Darius Geis is a nice talent in the backfield. Terry McLaurin showed that he was the best receiver, rookie receiver this year. Shout out to Terry McLaurin for my fantasy life. He was amazing. Yeah, that was a that was a nice choice by you. I, did you end up picking? You picked him up a little later. Uh, yeah, I on picked the, on yeah. the waiver wire. Yep, like at the, at the end of week one, I had some wide receivers go down. I was like, oh, let's try this kid. Yeah, so I, I think that they've got uh, obviously Ron Rivera is loved by the coaches, um, the players, and everyone. The media, yeah, which is not easy to do. All three, all three is not easy to do. Yeah, but. every everyone seems to be a big fan of Ron Rivera. So, um, including the the Carolina Panthers were seemingly devastated when he left. Um, the, the players there. Um, I heard that there was a, a phone call made um, to Dwayne Haskins, I think, received the call, or one of the players on the Redskins, maybe it was Terry McLaurin, um, and they said, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you in your in your life. Yeah. Um, another one that's interesting is Matt Rule did get the job with Carolina. They gave him a very large contract for a coach, especially who has no NFL experience. Um, I think he's also got out of Baylor at a good time. That team is primed for falling back. Yeah. So I, I think he's sell, sold high, himself high, and uh, that's a good job for him. <laughs> the, the understanding is that um, Carolina was looking for someone who is a program builder. That's what Matt Rule yeah. is all about. Uh, he turned Temple around when they were struggling. Uh, he goes to Baylor, a team that had absolutely nothing. I think they were 1-11 when he went to town and uh, basically started from scratch and turned that team into a, a – they only lost to Oklahoma in the regular season this year. You know, that was a that was a, a really solid season out of a team that seemed like they were overwhelmed and overmatched when it came to talent in the bowl game. Yeah, they're – like I said, I think they're going to take a step back. They were losing some key guys on defense, uh, some of them to the NFL, and – you know, this isn't – he didn't just take this haphazardly either. I mean, he had a shot at the Jets job last year, um, turned it down because he didn't like the things going on 
with the GM and he wanted more control because he didn't like what was happening. And they told him, no, he said, all right, well then I'll just stay at Baylor and keep making my money there. So, and it sounds like, uh, he, some reports are out there that he called the giants and said, Hey, Carolina is offering me this deal. Is that something you guys are willing to match? Because otherwise I'm not even going to come to town. Um, the Giants said, thanks, but no thanks. We'll go with Joe Judge from the Patriots. Yes, and, and Joe Judge, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, has made his bones as a special teams coordinator. Um, it is one-third of the NFL. That is correct, but it'll be interesting to see how he goes from coordinating something like that, you know, a specialty, into coaching the whole team. And I think for him it's going to be huge who he brings around him, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator that he – really surrounds himself with it's going to be very important you know he's been under Belichick for a long time so he's learned I'm sure plenty of how to lead and how to get things ready for Sunday but it'll be interesting to see who he brings around with him yeah and is he going to have uh, a similar path to what Brian Flores did uh, coming in this year and and exceeding expectations by all accounts Um, you know my understanding is he's a similar personality in that he is a a guy that's about building the team and uh, creating, uh, being that overall leader of yeah. the of the organization, not just someone that's a specialist in one particular aspect of the ball. Um, you know, like Josh McDaniels is, right. uh, who's a candidate in Cleveland. Uh, but I, I think that sometimes that leader of men thing means more than anything else in a head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think coaches have to be really organized. And uh, Joe has worked for uh, Saban, won a couple national titles there. Won a couple Super Bowls in New England. He definitely has been around winning. He knows what it looks like. He knows what it should should feel like. So, I mean, if anything, that's the argument you can make for him. Um, it should be interesting to see how that works there. I think out of this group, he's the biggest question mark for me on how that'll play out. Yeah, and uh, the last uh, opening that remains now is in Cleveland. Uh, they've kind of got a, a nice situation now because they don't have to worry about any of the candidates that yeah. they meet with taking other jobs. Yeah, they're the last the last job in town. So there's only 32, 31 are filled. They got the last last go at this. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think that uh, they have candidates uh, like Eric Bieniemy, uh, who I think is deserving of a head coaching job. Uh, Andy Reid has pumped out a number of great coaches from his staff, um, including you know Doug Peterson. Uh, who's leading the Eagles now? Um, the Matt Nagy, uh, the head coach of the Bears, who he won the Coach of the Year last year, despite sure. the struggles that they had this year. Um, so you know he he my has own, a, my own Sean McDermott. Yeah, I mean Andy Reid is a guy that seems to be able to uh, show guys the way to be successful in the NFL moving forward. Right. Sa- same kind of ideas. You're around winning. You know what it takes. You see what the, he has to do to to get that done. Um, and if you're going to mold yourself after somebody, somebody like Andy Reid, who's been a winner in the NFL for almost, what, 15 years now? Yeah, maybe yeah. more than that. It's not a bad idea. And some of the other candidates that are on the table there, Josh McDaniels uh, coming from New England. He's uh, He had one go-around as a head coach that didn't go very well. Um, granted, maybe, he had a deal with Tebow as his quarterback. Maybe two go-rounds if you call three days with the Colts. Uh, yeah, I guess pulled so. pulled the plug there. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if he got wind of Andrew Luck's issues or, or what may have happened there, yeah. but um, – there are some other candidates on the table, though, too, that, that deserve uh, talking about. And one of those that I know that, that uh, Tom and I both are fan, a fan of is Robert Saleh, uh, the defensive coordinator with the 49ers. Um, and he just has the presence of a leader. He has the presence of somebody that I would want leading my organization. Yeah, I, I 
there's so much to like about this guy. Um, if you are not familiar with him, seek out the story about how he decided to become a head coach. It's really, um, or become a football coach. It's really amazing. Um, he's working a regular job, like one of us regular Joes. And then, you know, his brother was involved in nine 11 and his brother luckily enough survived, but they're having conversations. He's like, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this and decided to pursue football and went all in on it. And, you know, just those kind of stories and that kind of a person. I think people are drawn to him. You could just watch him have conversations and press conferences, and you're like, yeah, I would, I'd run through a wall for him. I could do that. Yeah. Um, they've also interviewed uh, somebody near and dear to your heart, the offensive coordinator from the Buffalo Bills, uh, Brian Dable. Yeah. Um, Dable has an, uh, a really strong resume when you look back on where he's been and what he's done. Um, he spent a, a, He had a cup of coffee with Nick Saban as well. Um, he's been around the league a little bit. Um, I, I don't know that he's a top candidate for that job, but um, he's an interesting candidate. Yeah, I think Dable is one of those ones who's getting closer. I think each year now he'll probably get more and more interviews as long as things keep progressing the way they are. Um, he, you know, uh, in Buffalo there's a lot of talk about was he good enough? Was he the problem in Buffalo? Was he the solution? Did he get more out of that offense than was there? Um, obviously you'll never really know the answer to that, but because of that and his, again, five Super Bowl wins in New England, a national championship in college as the offensive coordinator. Um, I really think that eventually it'll be his time. I'm not sure this is a good fit for him either, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, they've also interviewed uh, Greg Roman, who's currently running the offense with Baltimore. Um, you know, that that's an interesting group that, that and, and an interesting style that he's leading there. Um, I'm not sure that he's the right guy for that locker room either yeah we were talking about that um before he, when you see his offenses i mean go back to kaepernick and the 49ers they did a lot with kaepernick running the ball run pass options a lot of stuff uh creative stuff then in buffalo with tyrod taylor and just pounding the rock um with LaShawn mccoy and, and now you see him what he's doing in baltimore is just crazy so He's got a lot of credentials, but it, does that translate to what Cleveland's doing with Baker Mayfield and the weapons they have at wide receiver? And, I mean, Kevin and I were talking about the idea of having Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb for 16 full games next year is pretty crazy. Yeah, and um, I think Kareem Hunt's a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, maybe a restricted free agent, I'm not entirely sure, but um, I had heard uh, mention on a podcast today uh, that, Kareem Hunt was an option in Miami um, to add there. So get out of um, there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, and then there's Mike Lafleur. Um, he's uh, running a piece of the offense in uh, San Francisco right now, but I think it's hard to judge him because Kyle Shanahan is the one that's really uh, mapping out that offense sure. and what they do every day. Um, so I, I think it's really hard to make that selection. I mean, his brother is Matt LaFleur, who's now the head coach of the Packers and they had a successful season. So I think that that, that lineage, you know, is something that people look at and say, you know, is he, does he have the same skill set that his brother has? Right. Um, you know, that, that could be helping him in getting interviews. And again, the fit, I think that fit of, if he can bring some of the offense, what they're doing in San Francisco, that's a better fit than what they do in, in Baltimore. I mean, he, you got the running back. You can run the ball a lot. You can throw it. I mean, they have better weapons than they have in San Francisco, without a doubt, uh, except for maybe at fullback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and tight end. Tight sorry, end, sorry, yeah. Kittle. Yeah, I mean, Najoku's okay, but yeah, he's yeah. not he's George no, Kittle. He's no Kittle. 
Um, so, you know, that's kind of the roundup for the Browns. I mean, it, we'll see where it goes over the next couple of days. They don't have to be in any big hurry to make their decision right now. So um, we don't even know if this will be something that gets done over the next few days. It, it may run into next week before they finally make that call. Yeah, they definitely should take their time. And, I'm, you know, it's good that they are because they're in a they're an interesting spot. They have a lot of guys that want to win now. They have a lot of guys with big names, a lot of media attention. So it should be int- they should take their time and make sure they get a good fit. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about what happened in the first round of the playoffs this week, uh, the wild card round. Um, we had some really good games, uh, some really fun football to watch. Uh, maybe save for that Seahawks-Eagles game that, that ended up having Wentz go down, um, which probably altered the course of where that was headed. Sure. Um, you know, you, you'd like to think so anyways. I mean, Josh McCown, is, as much as he's been around, um, he, he looked lost and confused in that game. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's the game that, that really carries the least amount of interest for folks because it just didn't, it didn't shape up like the, the matchup that we thought maybe a Wentz and, and Wilson duel late. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I was hoping for that game. You, it's both quarterbacks have a history of, of making big plays at the end of games and you were just hoping it'd be close and maybe get a little back and forth and, last man with the ball wins but it just didn't turn out that way so the Seahawks come out on top and uh for that they get the trip to Green Bay next week um you know and and that is because of the result of the Viking Saints game yeah um we dig in a little bit on this one um you know the Saints have a tendency to disappoint in the playoffs um we've had a, a team here that is extraordinarily talented on both sides of the ball and then for some reason in big games where they're supposed to have this huge edge in the Superdome, um, it's supposed to be the biggest home field advantage in the NFL or, or close to it, and th- they continually disappoint somehow in the playoffs. Yeah, I, it's hard to understand um, why they just can't seem to get it done. Um, you watch that game, and every drive it feels like they're going to score, and they just keep stalling and having to punt and just not getting it there. And then the Vikings, I mean, Kirk Cousins – Good for him. I mean, he's he has a reputation of disappearing in big games, and he he was he overcame Drew Brees. I mean, yeah. that touchdown drive in overtime was great. The throw was good. He was nails. Yeah, it was just a very good job by them. Offensive pass interference or not, that was a yeah. very good drive. They're it's, never overturning that, by the way. No, and you know that team. Uh, when you look at them, they're built like a playoff football team. Uh, like a team that can play good defense, a team that can run the football, and a quarterback that can make clutch throws. Yeah. Um, now, can Kirk Cousins make those same throws in, in uh, prime time because he's got that very weird stat line where he is awful in prime time and great yeah. during the day. Yeah. So that that's a very strange tendency that he has. I don't know. I don't think that there could possibly be any real correlation to that. Right. Um, but it, it's just very funny that it keeps happening that way. Yeah. Uh, the other game, um, the Titans at the Patriots. Um, uh, I feel bad for the Titans a little bit because their very good football victory is greatly overshadowed by Tom Brady. Is this his last game? Is he is he coming back? Is he is he going to another team? That was all the talk when really Tennessee played a, a hell of a football game and we're the better team. I mean – yeah, and, you know, New England showed these vulnerabilities for a number of weeks. Um, I know that this probably sickens you to think about because if Buffalo gets that win at uh, New England the week <laughs> prior, then Miami goes and beats them. Uh, you know, it, 
you know Buffalo plays a different game against the Jets. Sure. You know, perhaps you get to host a game. And, uh, you know, you're playing Tennessee, who you've already beaten this season. I know it's a different team now, but, sure. um, you know. It, it would have been at home. Uh, it would have been fun. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, I suppose. But um, that Titans team, you know, they run the ball. They're, they're a little bit old school. They run the ball. They, oh. they, they hit the play action passes. Um, Mike Vrabel is a, you know, fiery guy that uh, seems to have a, a great uh, – uh, a great handle on his team a, a great like that they're motivated by him still yeah. at this point yeah he's everything people hoped matt patricia would be he's, yeah he's very motivating he's he's fiery on the sideline i mean he still looks like he could play too i don't know if you saw the video of him doing those quasi push-ups but yeah pretty yeah. impressive to me um so yeah definitely i i can see that also Derrick Henry is making so much money for himself right now. It's unbelievable yeah. the last few weeks how much money he's put in his own bank account. I love the – there's a little bit of an edge to that Titans team. They're they're a little bit nasty. Yeah. Um, I think that's really um, captained by Taylor Lewan and he, he's got a chip on his yeah, shoulder. On he's offense, he's yeah. that Richie Incognito type, you know. Um, and Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle for the Titans – he doesn't show up in the stat line all that much, but take a look back at that game and watch him wrecking the backfield over and over. Watch him get in the backfield all the time. This is a guy that is going to be fun to watch. He's going to turn into that endemic uh, and Sue uh, in his prime. The uh, you can't say Warren Sapp. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go that far <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he was unreal. Um, but really, that G- Gerald McCoy. Um, you know, that type of interior lineman that can really just destroy your game. Uh, Marcel Darius, when he was in his, you know, when he was really rolling in Buffalo, he could really make a mess for people in the backfield. Yeah. So, you know, these are the kind of guys that stand out to me when I'm watching football. And I think that that really, uh, it, it stems from um, hearing guys say, take your eyes off the ball. Take a look at some of the other stuff that's going on in a game. And uh, you'll see the game of football so differently than you ever have before. Yeah. I think that they're, they're really designed for success and it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, Henry is a free agent. I believe Tannehill is only a one year deal as well. So uh, they'll have some decisions to make and, but we'll see when they have to make them. They got a, another playoff game this weekend. Yeah. And they're, they're rewarded with a trip to Baltimore to play what's been uh, by all accounts, the best team in football for a lot of the year here. Yeah, after week like four or five, absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you go into New England, get a win. Now can you do the same thing to Baltimore? You know, we'll talk about that in a little while. Last last game, let's get this over with. Yeah, here we go. I, I know you love this segment here. So uh, the Buffalo Bills at the Houston Texans. Uh, Buffalo jumps out to a lead. Uh, what was the score? 16 nothing. 16 nothing. yeah. Um, so Buffalo looked like they were in control of the game. Uh, the defense was playing spectacular. They were keeping the Texans in check. Hopkins had zero catches for zero yards at halftime. Yeah. And then uh, all of a sudden, as Deshaun Watson seems to do, he turns it up in the second half. Um, he was able to get his team rolling. Uh, Hopkins was able to find some space against Trey White, um, which was surprising to me. I thought he was going to be on lockdown the entire day, but – uh, all of a sudden, he came up with probably two or three catches that I remember in particular where he yeah. had beat Trey White one-on-one, yeah. um, and, and I hadn't seen that at all in the first half. Um, you get late in the game, and you know Buffalo made some costly mistakes on the offensive side of the ball, and yeah. um, you know, give, give me your feelings about it. Tell me a little about what you 
Tell me about your emotions during the game, Tom. We don't we don't talk like that on this. this yes, podcast. we do. Yes, we do. That's exactly what um, people was, want to hear. It was awful. I mean, the emotions were awful. I mean, uh, the first drive was amazing. Like drive down, get a touchdown right away. Josh Allen catches that and gets upended into the end zone, and then the rest of the half was. I mean, at the time it seemed great, but when you look back at it now, so many missed opportunities in that first half. This this first half score ended up being sixteen nothing. It could have been twenty three nothing it could have been 27 nothing uh, but they settled for field goals and you know this is my wild card stat for everyone this is not just the bills but this is the winning teams in the red zone this year in the wild card weekend in 10 trips to the red zone scored eight touchdowns the losing teams in the red zone also had 10 trips only three touchdowns you gotta score touchdowns and it's never more prevalent when you're in the playoffs against other good teams so and that 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 stat five touchdown swing in only four games i mean that's that's the end of the the season for these guys and for the bills most you know more glaringly than some of the others because that game went to overtime they really had no business in being in overtime the the drive to get the field goal was helped out by the fourth down going for it and just the clock stopping and just some craziness there um but yeah they they got to overtime they had their chances to win it there they're driving um a penalty back you up you can't do that in the playoffs, so again, rank this playoff loss for the Bills along with you. You you go back in history and you've experienced some real heartbreak. First off, let me ask: Are all of your electronics intact still? Uh, so yes, I broke a glass. You did break a glass. Electronics yeah. are fine. Okay, um, so you know Tom has a, a little history of being frustrated um, <laughs> by some crazy playoff moments. Um, I think there was a, a big sack back in uh, what season? Nineteen ninety eight? Yeah. Was that ninety eight? Ninety eight. Ninety nine was the, the, the Music lateral. City Miracle. We yeah. call it the forward lateral in this zip code. Yeah. Uh, Frank Wycheck uh, just you know rips it across the field to Kevin Dyson who takes it down the sideline and um, you know celebration was on yeah. in, in Buffalo prior to the the kickoff. So so I think the worst one is still going to be Norwood because. It's a Super Bowl championship if it goes in, so that will that will be the worst one. And then I think the Music City Miracle is the second because that Bills team was really really good. That defense was nasty. You had wide receivers that could play. I mean that was probably the best team since those Super Bowl teams, and probably still. Um, and you drove down. You got the field goal. You're moving on, and then you don't move on, and then you have to watch those Titans go all the way to the Super Bowl and turn out to be yard short just going what could have been if we could have you know stopped somebody from running down the field on a kickoff and and how fun that a team from houston got to give you half the pain that you gave them (laughs) a number of years ago with uh the big comeback in buffalo uh 32 points down come back to win the game and now you're up 16 in houston and houston comes back and beats you i mean in overtime similar story um it's 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 really kind of interesting to think about that i'm glad you're enjoying this that parallel i'm glad you're enjoying this i I don't i didn't get many chances to enjoy football this season you guys were all on cloud nine as i'm living in western new york and a dolphins fan so i gotta take my opportunities when i get them all right divisional round all right on to the divisional round here um so we have uh, a little preview action coming for you um the first game coming up this weekend is going to be that Vikings at 49ers game. That's Saturday at 435. Um, Hold Sam, on here. 
we uh, we're gonna do some picks again. We're gonna have one pick for each divisional game and the national title game, but we have yet to decide what what's at stake. Are we gonna run back the the booze bet? Yeah, I don't see why we wouldn't. All right, it, it makes complete sense to me. Unless you want to go and stand on a street corner holding a sign or something, say I can't pick games as good as Kevin. Maybe in July. Yeah, all right. But in January, that's not a good idea. Okay. Um, so, uh, divisional preview, uh, Vikings at 49ers, Saturday, 4.35 p.m. Uh, the 49ers uh, are favored by – na- what did we have? It seven. Seven. It's a seven-point spread here. Uh, that's uh, from betdsi.com. We just pulled that number up here a few minutes ago. Um, so, interesting matchup here. Um, the 49ers are obviously coming off their bye week. They're the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, a team that had a great season that has it seems to be one of the most well-balanced teams in the league but as I look across these playoffs the teams that are balanced are the ones that are still alive it, it, you yeah. know when, when you see a team that, that can only do one thing they're the ones that are struggling those are the teams that didn't perform in in week one of the playoffs so you know Buffalo they, they don't throw the ball well you know, they, they run the ball really well, including Josh Allen. You know, they're, they're, their offense struggled all season. Um, the Patriots, they didn't run the ball well. Uh, they didn't throw the ball well either in the game, honestly. Um, but this is a situation where you've got two really well-balanced teams facing each other. Um, when I try to make a selection in this game, I've got to take the Vikings with the seven points because I think they can hang around. I think that their offense translates. I think that it won't struggle in the road situation. They've gone into the Superdome and won now, and uh, they're going to – I think they're going to give San Francisco all they can handle. Yeah, this game is interesting because I really feel like the Niners are built for playoff success. Um, You know, the reasons we went over a couple weeks ago – the quarterback can make throws. Their running running backs, plural, are all very good. Their offensive line is dirty. Um, Kittles can make plays. Uh, their defense gets after the quarterback. Uh, they're very physical on that side of the ball. Richard Sherman seems to have a, a resurgence and a, and a new edge again to to his play, which was kind of missing the last couple of years. So it's fun to see too because of his contract and yeah. uh, you know that that kind of uh, resurfaced this week where he was calling out Mike Florio, um, mm. who just really busted on him about his contract being stupid for negotiating his own contract with that was completely incentive laden, um, yeah. just to save the three percent that he would have had to pay his agent. Uh, well, you know, I guess he got the last laugh here because he he turned out to be. Uh, a high performer you know he's he's gonna end up uh being a pro bowler of course and um you know he, he just looks like he's back and betting on yourself is not always a bad thing or it, you know risky as it may be um sure. he, i think he ne- negotiated himself a deal that ended up working out yeah i think you know he's bet on himself but also the man went to stanford i don't think he's just a an average NFL Joe negotiating his own contract. Right. He's been through the process a couple of times. He knows how it's supposed to work. He knows what he wanted. Um, I think all that was a lot to do about nothing, but I'm glad he did get to put it back in Florio's face. That's always fun. I know. And you know, it, it's funny, you know, people saw his uh, interview after uh, the game against the 49ers a number of years ago there, where uh, he knocked the ball away from Michael Crabtree yeah. and, uh, you know, the old L.O.B. Yeah. scream and don't come at me with some sorry receiver like Michael Crabtree, you know. And uh, 
they they did not get the impression of a Stanford alum and somebody who was going to be able to negotiate his own contract and act as an agent. You know, those guys are attorneys. They're they're well versed in in contract (laughs) language. So um, for his his versatility and uh, my understanding is he's a really great guy in the community, too. So I love to see him succeeding. Yeah, he's he's a great football player. Um, I got to get make my pick here and I've been going back and forth on this one. Um, I'm going to go with the Niners and lay the seven. Um, this one, you know, I can, both teams are very good. I think Minnesota is going to hang around, but at the end of it, I just think that pass rush is going to get to cousins one too many times and either force, you know, a fumble or maybe an interception late that allows them to pull ahead. When I look at the Vikings and this was before, before last week, this was with a no doubter. They didn't play well against good teams all season long. I mean, they lost to the Packers. They lost to the Chiefs when they played them. They lost to the Seahawks. They lost to the Packers a second time. And your wins are Chargers, Lions, Broncos. A solid win against the Cowboys. Uh, Redskins, Lions. They did beat the Eagles when the Eagles were a mess. Um, Giants, Raiders, Falcons in the first week of the season. I mean, not exactly good performance. But then they go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. So... Uh, I think I'm just going to go with the Niners. I'm going to lay the seven. I'm going to bet on that defense getting the Cousins. Yeah, you know, it, it, obviously that's probably going to be the more popular side. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the six seed going to play the one seed here. And um, for me, it's just a situation where I think Minnesota's built for playoff football as well. And um, obviously turnovers play a huge role in this, but I do like that Minnesota offense in the red zone. Um, I think that Kyle Rudolph is, is, does a great job down there, not that, to take anything away from George Kittle because he can do the same things. But these teams feel like a mirror image of each other yeah. in some ways. Um, I'm going to trust Kirk Cousins over Jimmy Garoppolo because Garoppolo hasn't been in this spot yet. Um, that's that's the X factor for me is uh, Cousins' experience now in these big game spots. And even if that is just that big game there in New Orleans – that he, he showed me something last week. Yeah, I think uh, I think they are built very similar. Um, I think that's one of the appeals of this game. It, it should be back and forth. It should be tight. Um, I mean, they have the over-under at 44. They're not expecting a shootout here. Um, but I think at the end of the day, with the Niners being rested, being at home, having time to get ready for Minnesota, I think they're going to be all right. I love Diggs. I mean, I, th- I think that, you know, he can make big plays in the game. Uh, Adam Thielen, I-, I like the receiving core better in Minnesota. Adam Thielen needs to put the ball in the hand that's nearest the sideline like they taught you in peewee football. You could do that for us this week. Yeah. I mean, again, it's I love that receiving core. I love yeah. the tight end. I love the running back. Um, to me, it, it's getting seven points. That's that's too much. Yeah, I think the line is, is very sharp because if it's – if it's seven and a half, everyone's on Minnesota because you're getting a, you lose by a touchdown, you still win. If it's six and a half, I think way more people go to the Niners. But being right at seven, yeah, it's it's tough. That's the story of NFL wagering. Right, so right. Uh, let's move on to the next game on the docket. What do we got, Tom? Uh, we have Tennessee at Baltimore. This is going to be Saturday, eight fifteen in Baltimore. Yeah, so you know, obviously you've got Baltimore, the one seed, coming off the bye. Um, interesting thing here this week with the both six seeds advancing um you know it's kind of a a different scenario here to to see that take place you know and i I think the six seeds a lot of times do have success in the wild card because they're usually the hot team right they've rode a bunch of wins towards the end of the season just to make it 
and you can have one or two things happen. Either they're like so satisfied that they made it, which I think happened to the Bills two years ago. They were just pumped that they made it, and they forgot to show up in Jacksonville. Or you can be like, all right, let's keep doing this. We're winning. We're going to keep rolling. And I think you could see both of these teams keep doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the line right now is Baltimore minus nine and a half. Um, it's a lot of points in a playoff game. It's especially against a team that, that plays it close to the vest. A team that uh, is built as a power run team. I feel like they're going to try and shorten this game and keep the ball out of the hands of Lamar Jackson as much as possible. Um, I think that when you look at this game, it's all going to come down to the success of Derrick Henry running the ball because that'll set up Tannehill to hit those deep shots to A.J. Brown, uh, Tajay Sharp. You know, those plays, apparently Ferkser, who who came from out of nowhere, Jonu Smith, those tight ends are going to be the guys that I think the play action game for Tennessee is, is what's going to allow them to hang into this game. Um, so as long as Tannehill protects the football, there's, I don't see a way that Baltimore covers nine and a half. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on the same side as you here. I, I'm going to take Tennessee nine plus the nine and a half. I think there's a couple things that are, they have going for them. One, all the momentum, like I just talked about. I mean, this team has been on a tear since they put Ryan Tannehill in. I mean, the, their offense has been scoring way higher than when before. Um, and their defense is solid. They're, they're not flashy like a lot of the big defenses in the NFL right now, but they are, they get it done. Their secondary plays is a complete unit. They are very physical. Um, so I, I, I'm excited to see how they do this against Baltimore. But I think, again, when you have the, the good coaching and the ability to run the ball and keep the Ravens off the field and keep Lamar Jackson on the sideline, you give yourself a chance to stay in that game. Um, so I, I would take the nine and a half. That's a lot of points for a playoff game. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're on the same side on this one. What's the over under in that game time? It's 46 and a half. And Kevin, and I were talking about this before it, it's at a spot where there's a chance it could go really far from it. Either way, you could see this game being 30 to 30 easily. And you could also see it being a, a 13, 10, just grind it out game. So because Tennessee is going to try to slow that tempo so much, if Baltimore doesn't get out to a quick start, I think that the game is right. under. Um, if you have the ability to live bet the football game and it's tight early on, I think you know y- you want to take that second half under. Right. I-, I think that the, the Titans are going to do everything they can to keep this pace slowed down and try and win another game at uh, you know, 24-17, 24-20 as a winner. You know, yep. th- those numbers are you – know, they, they need that score in that range if they're going to win because they're not going to win a shootout. Uh, Lamar Jackson blew the game against San Diego last year. He got off to a horrible start and they just did not have an opportunity. He was I think he was two for eight with a pick early yeah. in that game. And that Baltimore team's not built like that. They're yeah. not they're not built to chase. Yeah, I think all season I've been waiting and waiting to see a team get out, you know, thirteen, fourteen points on the Ravens and see how they respond and just they never really had to do it. So Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that under's a, a really good play in that game. 
depending on how the game starts on second half under something like that, you know, in, in a live scenario, if, if you do see uh, Baltimore get out to a lead, then you're going to look the other side because Tennessee's going to have to get out of their game. They're yep. going to have to do things they're not used to. That puts Baltimore in a spot where they could get a pick six, where they could get a strip sack. Some sh- they're yeah. amazing. The Ravens are amazing when they get the short field, too. They punch all of them in. Yeah, and, um, you know, your red zone stat is has been very impressive. Yeah. So that red zone stat, you know, that tells me that two teams that are great in the red zone, uh, again, I can't lay nine and a half with Baltimore in that no. spot. Um, let's, let's actually, uh, before we get into Sunday, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll refresh our beverages, um, and then we'll get back here and, uh, we'll hit up the Sunday games, Houston at Kansas city at three o'clock, uh, Seattle at green Bay at six forty. Um, then we'll dig in on the NCAA national championship game, um, LSU against Clemson. And we'll, we'll actually talk about the teams that lost last week in the wild card round and their over unders on the season. Uh, so we'll be right back with you after this. All right. We are back. Uh, beverages refreshed. Beverages refreshed. Restrooms used, also yeah. important. Got the bathroom breaks under under our belts here. Um, now we're going to dig in a little bit. On, I've said dig in way too much on this podcast tonight. I think that's like the third or fourth time I've used it. i got to come up with something better than that. They're going to start calling you Kevin the Ditch Digger. Yeah, that's no good for anybody. No. Uh, You've been called worse. <laughs> every single day of my life. <laughs> um, so let's start talking a little bit about the games on Sunday. Um Go ahead and, and uh, give us a, an idea of what we're looking at. So the first one we have is Houston traveling to Kansas City. Uh, this one's Sunday at 3.05. Uh, please be careful of the Sunday start times. They are dangerous. 3 o'clock gives you too much time for pregaming. 6.40 makes the game late enough to be a problem for Monday. So Yeah, it, that is concerning. Um, I know that. Uh, I think the same thing on Championship Sunday, right? Those are yeah, the start times. Six, yeah. yeah, that's that's a little rough, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, as I take a look at this Houston-Kansas City game, uh, Houston comes off a big emotional win, um, coming back from trailing 16-0, managing to pull the game out somehow against the Buffalo Bills. And now they get to travel to Kansas City, um, a team that's rested coming off their bye week, a team that played stellar defense down the stretch. Yes. And I think that's the part that stands out to me in this matchup is the way that that defense played coming down the stretch. I think Mahomes getting the week of rest is good for him after having a really an injury riddled season early on. Um, I think that you may get the, the old version of Mahomes and Tyreek Hill here in this game. Um, I like what they do on the offensive side of the ball. I'm concerned a little bit about their running game, but less concerned because I think that they're going to jump out to a lead. I think they're going to be comfortable in this game. And I hate laying big numbers, but I'm going to lay the nine points with Kansas City. I think they're going to win the game. So the defense you mentioned for Kansas City is is huge. I mean, they had a late bye, which was not good for them because they had a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball midseason. But after the bye week, they allowed nine points, 16 points in Foxborough, three points, three points, and then 21 against the Chargers where they had that buttoned up and kind of let the Chargers score a little bit later. But yeah, that defense has been really improved. However, one game they did lose this season was to Houston at home. So Houston's already gone there and won that. 
Um, was that with Moore or Mahomes? That was Mahomes. Mahomes played the whole game. Hill played the whole game. Hill actually had two touchdowns in it. Um, when you look at this game, uh, it ended up being 31-24. Houston. Houston dominated time of possession. 39 minutes and 48 seconds time of possession. And Houston actually lost the turnover battle, but still were able to win. Um, with that, you know, it's a big spread. Again, nine points, a lot. I think Kansas City will win, but I'm going to take the points here. I think Houston can hang in tough. I, I figure there's a couple different ways this game can go. It could be tight, advantage, plus nine. Or if Kansas City does get up a bunch, which they have a tendency to do, Houston has enough talent to put up some points in the second half, maybe score a garbage touchdown or two when it keeps them, you know, it cut cut the 16-point lead to nine, and, you know, you're there where you need to be. So um, I'm going to take Houston in the nine. Yeah, I mean, for me, one of the big edges in this game comes in, in the coaching area. Um, I love Andy Reid and, and what he accomplishes with every team that he goes to. Um, though he hasn't had a ton of success in the playoffs, um, he went to the NFC Championship game several years in a row, three times in a row with that times. Philadelphia team, uh, and got to the Super Bowl once. Um, that experience that Andy Reid has, I think he is he completely overmatches Bill O'Brien. Um, is there enough talent on that Houston team to hang within nine? Yeah, probably. Um, but I, I really like the scenario for Kansas City, um, getting that week to prepare for Watson. Um, I, I think that they're going to do a great job, and I don't think the running game is going to play as much of a factor because I don't, I, I'm not impressed with Houston's running game either, really. Yeah, they did run it all over Kansas City in that game. Uh, but Kansas City, again, they've straightened some things out on their defense. I just think nine's too much for a, for a game where Houston should feel pretty comfortable, very confident. And, again, their, their weapons, they, they really match up well against Kansas City. Uh, they should be able to throw the ball. Uh, Will Fuller is supposed to be back as well. So give me the nine points. Um, again, I still think Kansas City wins, but I, I want the nine points. Yeah. Um, and the last game on the docket on Sunday – um, we've, we've got, you know, a, another uh, game that's, uh, uh, the closest spread of the, of the group here, <laughs> yeah. um, at four and a half, we saw that, right? Four and a half was the last we saw. Yeah. So, uh, you've got Seattle going into green Bay, um, Seattle coming off, uh, uh, the easiest win of the group, I guess, um, last week. Um, I feel like this, the Seattle team, um, getting four and a half points in green Bay, I'm I I'm the guy that hasn't been sold on Green Bay all year. Um, other people talk about uh, their balance this season. Um, I just something doesn't sit right with me about this Green Bay squad. Um, watching their performance against Detroit in a game that they needed, um, they they fell behind to David Blau, yeah. um, and everybody who listens knows my feelings about that guy. Um, it, it to me, you're taking Russell Wilson into Green Bay, and um, I think that that Seattle is going to come out on not only going to cover the spread, but I think they're going to win the football game. Um, so you know, I, I'm all about a money line play on the Seahawks in this spot, um, but you know, the four and a half points is nice. Yeah, this game is. Uh, I think this game is similar to what I thought the Eagles and Seattle game would be, just because of how they're matched up. I think you're going to get a close game towards the end, and you're going to have the Rodgers Russell Wilson showdown. Um, I think the Packers get it done though. They're at, they're at Lambeau. Uh, the weather shouldn't be a, a real factor. It looks like it's going to be mid twenties. Um, the wind shouldn't be too bad. We were looking it up earlier as we're getting ready to make our picks because obviously in Lambeau in January you can get some some really bad weather that could change it. But 
it really shouldn't be anything that that affects either team. Um, I I mean, running backs. Look at look at the two sets of running backs. Aaron Jones has been great this year. Um, yeah, Marshawn Lynch making his what third game back. So uh, I'm gonna take Green Bay. I'm gonna give up the points on this one and go with the home team. I think Seattle may have gotten as far as they can go right now. You know, my my feeling is that if Jadavian Clowney is uh, close to 100, percent I know that he's got that core injury that that's a real challenge for him. Um, but he's a he's a game wrecker at times. Um, I think Marshawn Lynch starts to get his legs under him a little bit more um, with two weeks under his belt now. Um, I, I think that you might start seeing a little more success uh, with Marshawn Lynch. I was uh, against him uh, in the last week of the regular season. I did not think that he would perform very well, and you know, basically what we what we expected is what he did. I think he was like 13 for 40 something in that game with one long carry. Um, but I, I think he'll start to get his legs a little bit. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that this Green Bay team is going to be able to stop Seattle uh, because of the performance I saw in in Week 17. Um, I, I just can't get that out of my head. Yeah. I, I can't get it out of my head that, that Detroit was able to move the ball down the field on them with that guy at quarterback. Um, you know, Russell Wilson is going to finish drives. Uh, I love some of the weapons on that team. You know, Metcalf is a monster. Metcalf has been amazing this year, and he seems to be getting stronger as the season goes, which you kind of expect out of a rookie. But rookie wide receivers, sometimes it's a learning curve, and you know, his learning curve was five, six weeks, not not like some others we've seen. Yeah, and, and his compliment to, to Tyler Lockett, who's a speed guy that can just get you over the top anytime that he wants, seemingly. You know, I, I think that Tyler Lockett is similar to Tyreek Hill um, in his skill set. I don't think he's quite on that level. Um, Tyreek Hill is – he's so much fun to watch when his teammates take off and, and have a free run at the end zone and watch Tyreek Hill come and chase down his teammates. Uh, he did it with Damian Williams, I think, the last week of the season. Yeah. Uh, Williams scored on a very long play, and Tyreek Hill comes from out of the clouds and chases him down and yeah. runs into the end zone beside him. Um, so I don't think that Lockett is quite at that level uh, with that kind of speed, but he is definitely faster than any of the cornerbacks on that Green Bay team. Um, so th- that's where my lean comes from in this game. I think the offensive weapons for Seattle are too much for Green Bay to handle, um, and th- and that's where I'm going to lean on Seattle. Yeah, I think Green Bay, that one of their strengths this year has been getting after the passer. I mean, they have the two Smith brothers just wreaking havoc, uh, one with 13 and a half six, Sachs is a Darius, and then Preston with 12. Um, I mean, they can get after to the quarterback, so I think they're going to be able to, you know, maybe make Russell Wilson scramble, which he's great at. But that's also when Russell Wilson is able to make some mistakes. Um, I think this should be the best matchup of the week, and I, I'm I'm glad it's the end of the week, the last game we get to see. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that one. That for sure, that's the one that that uh, really pops off the page to me yeah. when I look at the matchups this weekend. Uh, Next up, we're, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit here and uh, start talking about the uh, college football championship game. Um, you know, it's been a really fun college football season this year. Um, well, as always, yeah. as always, love college football. No doubt. Uh, Joe Burrow and, and LSU have really uh, impressed this season. There there wasn't a, this much expectation out of this team this year. Um, all the credit goes to uh, Joe Brady and the media about the passing game coordinator with LSU yeah. and what he's been able to do um, with that transition in styles from the old uh, three yards and a cloud of dust, a little play action game that's how LSU used to play tight to the vest now LSU plays a more wide open style 
Um, one of the things that I think is a huge edge for Clemson in this spot is that they just came off playing Ohio State, um, who plays that open style. A little different style because Ohio State relies on more of the quarterback run and J.K. Dobbins uh, kind of beating you up. Um, but Fields, you know, certainly performed very well in that situation. Um, he's not Joe Burrow. I think the receivers are are it's unbelievable. Not even, it's not even close. Yeah, LSU's yeah. wide receivers are out of this world good. Yeah, um, but I think that Clemson has a strong secondary. Um, I, I think that I've been on Clemson for a number of weeks now. Uh, you know, I, I thought about you know trying to get some action on Clemson to win the national title weeks and weeks ago. Um, this is a team that everybody says their schedule was too weak. Well, their schedule was too weak, but they won the national championship last year. They still have the same quarterback. They still have a ton of the same pieces in place. Um, if T Higgins is healthy, um, you know, he, he's a, a real problem to deal with. Yeah. I saw the, or the other day that they're, they're expecting him to be able a full goal, a full go and no restrictions. He should be good. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, uh, Trevor Lawrence is, uh, the best quarterback in college football, um, you know, everyone is all about Joe Burrow this year. Um, I think some of that is the fact that, that Trevor Lawrence isn't eligible for the NFL draft this year. Um, he needs one more year before he's three years removed from high school. Um, so for me, I, I think give me Trevor Lawrence, who's been there, done that in these big game spots before. Joe Burrow never has been in this type of situation. They completely overmatched Oklahoma. Uh, they played a, a, an Alabama team that just wasn't the they're, – they're not the same Alabama team that you've seen in years past. Um, as evidenced by Auburn beating them in the Iron Bowl, obviously with Mac, uh, Mac Jones playing quarterback. But it's uh, I, I think that Clemson's going to come out on top in this game. Not only are they going to cover the five and a half, I think they're going to win the football game. Yeah, I think if you you look at who's going to win, um, Clemson's advantage in this game is, you know, the, the big change in that Ohio State game for me, and I was telling Kevin this before, the different blitzes they were able to come up when they were down some of the the twists and some of the you know linebackers from different angles and uh, they really confuse fields and I expect them to try a lot of that against Burrow. I mean you gotta try something so you definitely want to send some people at him from different angles get them maybe hesitating. Um, I think this game is I'm 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 gonna cop out here guys I'm gonna take the under 69 and a half that's a huge number for a national title game. Uh, I mean when you're thinking if it's 33 31 you're under by over a field goal. So give me the under in this. I I think both teams have the potential to put up big numbers, but I both think both teams are going to play well enough defensively to keep that in the, the high 20s, low 30s. Um, you know, if I had to pick one, I think you take the five and a half when you have two teams that are so even. I mean, when you're looking at Clemson, who hasn't lost in two years, LSU has been maybe the best team all season long but you still have to beat the champ to be the champ. So, but I'm going to take the under. I think the under is the best bet of the game. Um, yeah. I love Ed Orgeron. You know, I, I think that he's a really um, blue collar, you know, he belongs at LSU. He fits perfectly. He should have gotten the USC job when he was in that spot. Um, instead, they went with Clay Helton. I think it was a big mistake uh, to not allow him to continue when he when he stepped in as the interim head coach a number of years ago now. Uh, but the, this situation for me comes down to, uh, again, uh, the, the coaching. Uh, I think Dabo Sweeney is uh, – he outmatches Ed Orgeron when it comes to tactics. 
and uh, Brent Venables has done a great job with that defense um, all season long. And, you know, that's really evidenced in that Ohio State game and the way that they really slowed them down. Ohio State could have put that game away. They had every opportunity to get up big, uh, but they weren't able to do it. And and I think that a ton of credit has to go to Venables in that defense. Yeah, exactly what I was saying. Like, what, what... – Ohio State had the big run for a touchdown, but even the drive before that, they got down there and settled for a field goal. And you go back to that stat from the wild card game. In games against other good teams, when you get down there, you have to score six. That that has to be the goal. You cannot settle for field goals. If you settle for field goals, you go home. Um, Ohio State ended up doing the same thing. They settled for field goals a couple of times. Even when it looked like they had the game in hand, they settled for field goals. Instead of going up 17 nothing, they went up 13 nothing and uh, I think you're looking at the same thing for why Ohio State's not here. Um, but I, I love the under in this. Yeah, I mean, any way you look at it, the Tigers are going to be the national champions. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard that joke yet this week. Yeah, that's pretty bad, right? Hack yeah. City. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, I'm excited for it. It's on Monday night, right? Yeah, Monday night. Yeah, who who uh, who doesn't love a little Monday night action? A little Monday night college action. Yeah, Only sit, happens twice a year. Yeah, you sit there at uh, at work all day thinking about what you're going to do that night, but when you got the college football national championship game that night, you know, it can make for a long and exciting day at work for guys like us, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So. And it can make Tuesday really long. Yeah, well, you're not kidding. Good news for me is, uh, you know, well, whatever. Well, I'll dig into that another time. Um, so the next thing that we're going to do here is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs now um, and what their over-under expectation was in Las Vegas and uh, where they finished the season. So um, kind of just a, a little recap, um, talking about uh, expectation versus reality. Um, let's get started with that. And, uh, you know, let's start with your Buffalo Bills first. What did you have the number at? Yeah, I, I think uh, they were at uh, six and a half or seven, right? There's maybe there was. Give me one second. I'm I'm gonna pull it up here. Yeah. Um, I know that they exceeded their expectations on the season. Sure. There were a bunch of people excited about the fact that uh, they had uh, met their number early this year. It was it was very early this season that. Yeah, the the Bills over bet was a very popular bet. I remember um, seeing it online a bunch of times where. Uh, you know, in that August area where people are making these these large wagers on over unders for the season, and the Bills were getting hammered on the over seven and a half. Is yeah, where seven it and a half. Um, you know, again, they had a very favorable schedule this year. When you looked at some of the teams in their division, Miami was clearly hitting the reset button. The Jets are just a bit of a mess. Um, so you had to think they'd go three and one at worst, which they did. Yeah, um, and then. Some easy, some easy out of division games. I mean, the NFC East is a mess. They got the advantage of playing them, and I think that's when you're looking at over unders. That's the first thing you want to look at. What divisions are they playing? You know, are they going against teams that are perennials, or are they going against teams that maybe are in flux? In flux teams, they could go high, they could go low, but you have a better chance of winning most of those games. So, yeah, um, you know, and and you know, Buffalo was a popular choice early in the season, and um, it it. It made a lot of sense, really. You're, you're a team that is on the rise. You've got a great coaching staff there. They're going to keep a lot of games tight. You needed to win eight, you know, and, yeah. and uh, with the potential for four, 
you know, you ended up with three out of the four between Miami and, and uh, yeah, they didn't the even Jets. play that last one against the Jets either. So right, so that it didn't even come into play. But uh, a bunch of the other te- teams on their schedule were very soft. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that was a really smart play by a lot of people to get on the Bills over. I think that you know part of it is the national media expectation of a team out of Buffalo. You know, you don't have a superstar quarterback. You don't have someone that's going to really uh, grab everyone's attention. Sure. You play; It's a workmanlike, blue-collar type football team. Um, and those type of teams are the ones that I like to take the over on. So um, next up, we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit about the Saints. Um, yeah, they're, uh, they're over under expectation on the season. Um, they were, they were, they were set at 10, uh, going yeah. into the season. So 10 a really high number for a preseason over under you get why. I mean, the team has so much talent on, on offense, especially, I mean, you have one of the most exciting running backs in football. You have maybe the most accurate quarterback in football. Um, you have in my opinion, the best wide receiver in football and Michael Thomas. So you could definitely see why they do that. And some of the similar things you look in their division, they're better than everyone else in their division. Um, and a lot of times it's not even close. So, you know, they, they end up getting the 13 wins. Um, yeah. you know, they, they, they hammer the number early. Um, yeah, I think some of that comes as a result of the rest of the division struggling. No one else made it to 500 in the NFC South. Um, you know, everybody talks about, uh, the NFC East being bad. Um, but they had two teams at 500 in the <laughs> NFC East, you know, and there was one team that made it to 500 this year. Um, and, you know, the Falcons turned the corner late in the season, obviously, but um, yeah. it, it, they won four straight games to get to seven and nine to finish right. the season. Um, you know, they were three and nine at one point this season. So that, that NFC South definitely struggled. Um, I, I think that the Saints are so exciting that, that 10 was a number that it was okay to take a shot on getting over, you yeah. know, that – in hindsight, it seems like it makes sense now that they went over. Yeah, absolutely, and that's how a lot of these are. You, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's a daunting number, but when you really look at it, you had to think, how many times is this team going to be favored? And you knew they would be favored, what, 14, 13, 12, 11 times um, they take the field, unless something catastrophic happens to Drew Brees, you're going to be the favorite in most of your games. And that's the way it played out for them. They were the favorites a lot. They, they won a lot. They made it look easy quite frequently yeah and um you know next up we'll, we'll talk a little about the eagles that that terrible nfc east and yeah. and um you know that the eagles expectation was set at 10 and a half for the season um a lot of people love the idea of carson wentz being back all of his weapons that he had zach Ertz, you know dallas goddard coming into his own as a second tight end option elshon jeffrey and nelson Aguilar. um Miles Sanders being drafted. Jordan Howard was the initial thought at the at the running back position. You know the he looked good the, at the beginning of the year too. Yeah, and, and that defense. You know Fletcher Cox is one of the best interior defensive linemen that that we've seen in a number of years. Um, you know, definitely a top five guy in the last ten years. Probably he's he's a really talented guy that that can yeah. change games for you. Um, you know, and and then they end up falling short of expectations this year. Now, granted, they they suffered a lot of injuries over the course of the season. They were they were really ravaged by. Uh, the injury bug this season, um, you know, and that's something you can't really predict uh, going into a season. Um, the Cowboys, you know, they looked like a super talented team. Um, I think that ten and a half was like sitting right around where you would expect the season to end up. Yeah. Um, you know, and Philadelphia didn't get there. No, they didn't get there, and the injuries just crushed this team and what may have been. Um, I'm not sure I would have went over ten and a half. Eleven wins is 
that's a that's a hell of a season for a team to get to 11. I mean, you got to have a lot of things go right for you. You have to play well in in games down the stretch. So anytime it's that high, I'm either going to lay off or I'm going to bet the under just because any any little hiccup in the season, a, a low stretch where they're not playing well or some injury key injuries, you're going to miss that mark. Yeah. Um and the last one that we have here is the Patriots. Um, they're over under expectation on the season. Um, they were set at uh, 11 and a half. Everybody thought that they were just going to bang up the AFC East again, you know, and that, that, that's, <laughs> that's basically, you know, where things went. They end up going over um, despite all of the late season struggles that that team had, you know, yeah. they, they looked bad down the stretch. They, they, yeah. And and going into next year, I don't know what the expectation is going to be out of them because Tom Brady, you know, that situation's up in the air. Um, yeah. It's, from what he said today, it sounds like he's definitely coming back to play football. Uh, I think it's more of a matter of where, and I think part of our coaching conversation is going to change that a lot. If McDaniels goes to Cleveland, how does that affect Tom Brady's, um, outlook and vice versa. Now that McDaniel's knows that Brady's wants to come back, how to how does that affect his decision? Um, so we'll we'll see how that all shakes out. But yeah, they won a lot of ugly football games. Um, their defense, I mean, was just scoring at an insane pace. Yeah, like they had so many touchdowns from the defensive and special teams. It was unbelievable. Their their offensive uh, numbers this year were were really that of a team that is uh, struggling to make the playoffs. You know, they yeah. they were they were an eight and eight offense. Sure, uh, but they, you know they were a fourteen and two defense. Yep, and um, or especially early in the season, then you know things started to change. You know, it, it was really eye-opening to see some of the things happen late in the year where teams started to take advantage of that defense. I thought that they were going to be stellar all year long. I thought they were going to be brutal to deal with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some of that seemed to fall apart a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they rebound with. They got a lot of um, sorting out to do between McDaniels and, and Brady. But you know that they're going to be strong on defense. Most of those guys are going to be coming back. And, um, you know, Belichick should be there. And he's really good at getting a game plan together. I mean, that's that's what he excels at is he f- figures out what you want to do and figures out how to take it away and makes you go to, you know, the second plan and the third plan. And, um, you know, it puts a lot of stress on offenses. And there's not many offenses in the NFL that can win with their third best option. Um, and if you can't do that, you're not going to be up to the task. And the biggest problem that I think that they ran into this year is they they had no semblance of a running game, really. You know, and yeah. and that team that that relied on the short passing game and uh, you know relied on the passes to the backs out of the backfield, they, they didn't run the ball a lick all year long. And I thought Sony Michelle was going to take the next step and be really good. Yeah, Sony Michelle was awful this season. I I, I think we can say actually awful. Um, some of his games were just. Even were, his stats weren't very good, but some of the games themselves were even worse. Um, just some really bad numbers for the season. Uh, we'll see again what happens in the off season, but I think they definitely need an upgrade there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really and, bad. You know, I mean, if you remember, there were there were seasons where they were relying on Legarrette Blunt to to carry the load. You know, and and. Um, they've had seasons where Kevin Falk was the main back, but catching the ball out of the backfield and, uh, th- their running back situation has always seemed to be fluid. They, they've moved guys in and out. Deion Lewis has been there and, and gone. Um, 
it's it's really a, an interesting dynamic that they create in their backfield room, and it looked like Sony Michelle was going to be a number one for them finally, and you were going to have a guy that was just dominant in the backfield. Yeah, when you looked at last year's playoff run, it was ninety percent Sony Michelle on offense, just pounding the rock, yeah. big games. Um, this year in the regular season, three point six nine yards a carry. Yeah, that is not going to get it done. Um, I mean, he ends up with seven touchdowns and nine hundred yards, but just that that average puts you in such a hole when you're trying to win football games the efficiency is something in football that's huge uh the best players or the best coaches know that the best gamblers know that offensive defense efficiency is a huge number when you're comparing teams and that when you're running the ball for 3.69 yards a carry your efficiency is really bad yeah it, it definitely is and um uh, I'm just going to give a little side note to the listeners right now. College basketball over-unders are enough to, to you know, give you some heart problems because I have under 135 in this game right now, uh, Oklahoma and Texas. And uh, Oklahoma's up 10. Uh, it's at 130 with 44 seconds left. Are they going to play the foul game or are they just going to let this clock run? That's the, the big question for me. You're down 10. Don't foul. Don't foul. Oh, and there we go. There's a foul. <laughs> this, you know, this is – this is the kind of thing that you deal with as a gambler. Yeah. yeah. He let the clock run all the way down to nine seconds on the shot clock and then fouled. It looked like they weren't going to, and then he just got bored playing defense and reached out. So we'll see, we'll so, see how this pans so, out for you. Yeah, so this guy makes both. Texas goes down and hits a three. We end up with a push. And and then Texas fouls again. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. You know, I, who fouls when you're down 10 with 36 seconds left? I mean, you, you've got no chance. This game's over. Yeah, thirty six seconds. You're gonna Let be it... you're gonna be down twelve now, and and are you gonna really follow this guy after you make this three? I yeah. mean, or or two, whatever, whatever you, you make. Cut, you, you cut know? it to nine, Kev. Let it happen. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Of course, he does I, make full free I, throws. I, yeah, and I, I'm gonna need a missed bucket here. I, I I need Texas to miss this shot and Oklahoma to get the rebound oh. so that they can try to <laughs> dribble it out. Oh. Texas just inbounded the ball by rolling it. The guy didn't pick it up until he was well over. He was at the, the three-point line. Yeah, he was at the three-point. Almost point. at the three-point line before. And here Oklahoma comes some chucker defense. from the corner. Oh, here we go, and a layup. So we've got 19 and a half seconds left. Oh, I think we got a timeout. Timeout. No, we, they've got a stoppage, but I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Um, I think Texas is going to lay off now and just let them dribble it out. 20 seconds left. Don't you foul number two. We, we don't need any fouls here. He's pressing. They're going to try to trap him before the timeline. They're going to trap him, yeah. So we're at 15 seconds, and let's see. Oh, they're going to let it happen. Skip pass. You're going to get a winner. we got seven, seven seconds left. Hold the ball. Just stay away. Just stay away. Three seconds, two, one. All right. Winner, hey, winner. Hey, that's under 135 right there, folks. <laughs> and that's how you sweat out a college basketball wager. An over-under wager, I got under 135, and it finishes 134 with the ball in the hand of the leading team for the last 20 seconds. <laughs> There's nothing like gambling, folks. <laughs> nothing like it. <laughs> That's a nice win. Yeah, so um, what else we got on the docket tonight, Tom? I think I think we're about to wrap, right? Yeah, we're going to wrap. We're just going to – so next week, of course, we'll have our, our – uh, review on our our picks for this week it should be really interesting i mean we have a couple the same but a lot a lot different this week so that should be fun for us to go back and forth um also we'll have the uh next preview so we'll have the preview of the afc and nfc championship game um so we'll have that for you as well 
Uh, we're going to try to throw something else in there. We've got a couple ideas knocking around. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've got some feelers out. I'm hoping that maybe we can grab, start grabbing some interviews here from some people that you might be interested to hear from. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're working on trying to expand this thing and, and turn it into something exciting for you guys. Um, you know, I think that the more that we get into this and, and the deeper we start diving on, uh, you know, NFL draft season, um, start talking about the fallout from, um, you know, the, the college football national championship game. We've got national signing, the second national signing day coming up next yep. month. Um, we, we really have so much stuff coming up. We've really got a schedule laid out for several months ahead for you guys. And, in between, my hope is that we can start drawing some some great guests that, that will be a little part, you know, and, and it may only be a 15, 20-minute little interview, um, but something more to, to our podcast. And yeah. uh, we appreciate everyone's support and, and listening to us and sharing it. And um, as we continue to work out any technical issues that we've had, um, you know, it, the expectation really moving forward is to try to create the best listening experience for you guys and make it fun. So please shoot us, shoot us any ideas that you have um, on Twitter um, at hammered underscore sports. Um, so, you know, hit us there. I think that's one of the great avenues for sports conversation. Absolutely. Um, we're going to start pushing that a little bit more through the Facebook page. Um, you know, which is hammered sports on Facebook. Um, you can hit me on my personal Twitter at K gray junior 99. You can hit up Tom. Yeah. At tabby 11 T a B B E Y 11. Um, we also put, you know, we don't just bet on the weekend. So during the week, we'll, we'll put some winners that we ha- we see out there. I'm a big fan of NBA, um, over unders. When I see one that I like, I'll, I'll make sure I, I put it out there on that Twitter verse for you guys to take a peek at, maybe get some weekday gambling in. Yeah. And, and, you know, our goal is to try to create more content and more content, you know, every day we want to try to feed something to you guys. And, um, you know, that, that's, what's going to create the, the interaction is what we need guys. We need, we need you guys to give us some feedback and, and help us out along the way and, um, allow us to, to tailor this to what makes the best listening experience for you. Yeah, definitely share, share the link if you're enjoying it. Cause we need to get the more eyes we can get on it. Uh, more ears we can get listening to it, the better it'll be. Um, I do know that we're going to talk a bit UFC next week. It'll be the first time going in there. Obviously, the big Conor McGregor Donald Cerrone fight. We're going to talk about that fight and some of the big fights coming up. Uh, UFC looks to be back strong in 2020, and it's going to be really exciting for you fight fans. And, and let me tell you that there's one thing that I love about UFC, and that's DraftKings. You know, we yeah. there there. I think that is the most underrated. Uh, daily fantasy avenue yeah. that there is i absolutely love some some draft kings on mma draft kings not a sponsor but if you're listening we're open yeah yeah, yeah. you can reach out to us guys we'll, we'll be happy to uh <laughs> promote you every week yeah yeah we definitely uh draft kings for mma is great the betting on mma fights are so much fun there's nothing more exciting than when you pick an underdog early in in the in the card and they get a flash knockout i mean that is that is a, a thrill that you can't really match in other sports. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And that that's it's a game that um, you, you start firing on those MMA DraftKings and, and you have so much interest in every fight that comes up. And yeah. you're just like, oh, well, even if I don't have action on this fight, I just want it to drag out all three rounds. <laughs> Nothing crazy happened. Let's get everybody 50 points. We're good. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, it, it's a lot of fun. And we'll get into some more of the daily fantasy stuff. Um, we're going to start talking more probably about some NBA and NCAA basketball wagering coming up. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, I've got my, my good buddy, the Iceman, Joe Kipe. He, he's an NHL expert. Um, we're going to touch base with him and see what he can get us for some winners here coming up. Um, so we're and, and I think golf is a nice avenue to, to make some money, too. Um, so, you know, we love talking any level of sports. So please don't hesitate. If you want to hear something different, let us know. If you tweet me about NASCAR, I will block you. Please be aware. That's that's fair. Um, I'll accept your tweet, but then I'll share it with Tom so that he blocks you. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, we look forward to, to touching base with you next week. Um, can't wait to continue the interaction. And uh, thanks for listening to Hammered Sports. Get those winners. <laughs>